Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans, your boy Bryce Lewis, back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. And we have a special guest with us from the ATL and 29th podcast, Glenn Willis. Welcome in, sir. If you've listened to him before, you know he, he has great takes. I mean, I follow him on Twitter. I look at his tweets religiously when we, he talks about the Hawks, man. Just great insight and a different point of view that I think a lot of people give on Twitter and just all over, uh, you know, sometimes social media when talking about the team. So appreciate you coming on, Glenn. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's it's cold out here in Washington State in the Seattle area today. So I got my hoodie on, trying to stay warm and not uh, jack up my electricity electricity bill too high. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, I'm I'm doing well. It's a nice kind of long weekend here and uh, a great weekend to celebrate, um, you know, some good aspects of our history and all that sort of stuff. And watch some basketball today. It's nice that Atlanta, you know, pretty reliable pretty reliably has a home game today as, as mm-hmm. seems appropriate to me. So look forward to that game. I know the last few have been uh, rough and I think fans don't know what to expect today, but I, I guess we'll watch and find out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially after the last two performances, I think a lot of people are interested to see, especially national televised game two, how this goes. Um, so today, Glenn, we're just going to talk about state of this team right now. Uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on what's going on with, with this with the roster, with the front office, the direction, everything, right? I'm sure you've talked about it on your pod. I'm sure, you know, you've seen the discussion. You've, I'm sure, I don't know if you've had t- t- time to look at the athletic article that was released about the status of the team from what they're hearing as well. Um, so I just want to get your overall uh, assessment of it. And the first question I have is basically just what in your biggest, um, what in your mind is the biggest reason why the Hawks are where they are right now in the season? Yeah, so I I think the I mean again this is kind of me connecting the dots, connecting we get to hear bits and pieces from different reporting and sourcing and all that sort of stuff, and then we get to try to kind of connect what we're hearing with what we're seeing and try to make sense of it. And for me, they just looked like a an organization that is uh, on the verge of making some roster changes to iterate them forward to having the kind of roster that that will fit what Quinn wants to do. And that's a pretty normal process to have uh, at work after you make a coaching change um, and such. So, you know, all the reporting suggests they tried really hard in the offseason to, to make a few trades and kind of shift things, weren't able to kind of make that happen. Um, and so I think they're just, uh, and I think as human beings, players feel that, know that, I think it impacts them. It's funny because when I watch them, I'm like, you know, and I don't really mean, mean this in a judgmental way, but you'd like for them to navigate this period of adversity with, I don't know, I don't know if the right word is a little more maturity, a little more composure, because their play is awful, right? The last whatever number of games, and it, and it doesn't look like there's any reason to think they're going to turn the corner anytime soon, apart from maybe just kind of having a, a roster change happen all of a sudden, uh, if, if that is actually on the precipice of happening, you know? So, so to me, it looks like it looks mental. 
you know, it looks like, you know, it's impacting their energy. It's impacting their vibes, as the kids would say. And I think the organization knows they are about to pivot towards uh, roster construction that um, lines them up for the future that they want to to realize. And and it's hard to be right in the in the middle of that. So that's my best guess of, of what's going on. They're they're better than their record. They're better than their statistical profile. They have a reasonable amount of talent. They should be at least a middle of the pack team in the Eastern Conference, at least mm-hmm. in my in my view. Um, but we could talk kind of more about what Quinn's running on both ends and how that's impacting things and stuff like that. But I think it's mostly a mental kind of thing right now with the team just kind of feeling like, yeah, some changes are coming and, and it's 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 a heavy kind of uh, state to stay in. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, too, you know, when they brought him in, I think he, the, the biggest thing from what I got from the Hawks media day at the beginning of the year was that they expected a lot of internal improvement. They felt like Quinn's system, to me, could elevate guys. You know, Jalen is probably the one guy who has made the most improvement out of everybody over the past year, offseason to now. And I think they expected that for other guys. But I think this is, his system has actually shown that certain guys are not, you know, some guys stick out. Like, I think a lot of people think Click Capella sticks out like a sore thumb in the system. Because I think this offense evolves the center more. And then you're seeing, oh, wait, Clint isn't that type of player, especially offensively, even though defensively, even though people say he's, you know, kind of fell off a little bit, um, you know, he's, he's always been pretty solid there. So I guess my next question to you is talking about the scheme. Is it, you know, we've heard them talk about communicating more on defense. We've ta- heard them talk about, you know, they, you know, they were a team that gets a lot of steals. I think they're still top five in steals in the league. Um, but they also give up a lot of back cuts. Everybody knows you can back cut the Hawks to death and they can't stop it. They have the trouble at the point of attack. Is it is it is it a player thing? Is it a scheme thing? Is it player and scheme? What have you seen for why the defense is just so inconsistent? Because I feel like over the last few weeks for these last two games in the Pacer game last Friday, the defense has had better performances, but still do we have those games where it's just complete stinkers? Yeah, to me, the scheme that Quinn is running is not a fit for the current roster, and it's it's a conundrum. I don't I don't want it that to sound like Quinn is dumb. Quinn's a very good NBA coach. He has mm-hmm. a great track record. Got a lot done in Utah, you know, as we know. Um, but, but the conundrum is, okay, I could win more games right now conceptually if we just play drop coverage. It it lends itself more to what Clint's strengths are as your defensive anchor. Uh, it, it allows you to play maybe like a, like AJ Griffin more, right? Because that's mm-hmm. that's what he was able to play in last year and was um, was stable enough defensively. Better fit for Sadiq, better fit for for Bogey. When they're running their show coverage, where the big is getting all the way up to the level of the screen, that leaves more space for your wings and your other players to to defend behind that. And we know Sadiq, not the most you know kind of. Um, a, uh, athleticism that you'd want to cover a lot of space bogey at this point in his career, kind of the same thing. And so, you know, as fans, I, I don't know if the mindset is, man, just kind of run the stuff that fits this current roster and let's win some games and Quinn's and his staff might be, no, we, we need to start building towards what our ideation is of what we're going to run on both ends. And, and to me, like what he's running fits a Kongu well, mm-hmm. fits Jalen well. I think I think uh, I think it helps Trey uh, some because you get more support up at the level of the screen. Other guards it helps more. 
uh, as well. And so I think it's just like the classic conundrum. Like, do we pursue wins right now and potentially punt on starting this development process towards the things that we want to be doing next season or whenever, right? Or do we, you know, how do we manage that? And it seems to me like Quinn's like, no, we're going to run the stuff that we're building up toward, right? Jalen needs those reps. Akongwu needs those reps. Um, you know, whatever other young guys, maybe you know, Lundy's getting a little bit of time here and there and stuff like that. And and we need to see the other players uh, in the system so we can get kind of the feedback and see who's working well, who's working a little, who's not working at all. And those feedback loops are seem to be what the organization is prioritizing. Frustrating for fans to watch, I know. Because, like I said, the defensive scheme is not a fit for their current rotation personnel at all, in my view. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you mentioned getting reps to guys like Kongu and Jalen. And I remember a tweet you made about one of the reasons why sometimes people want Bogey out there in the closing lineup and he doesn't. And you mentioned maybe it's to help Jalen get those reps because I said on my pod that if you have bogey out there, even though Jalen is one of our top three players on the floor, I feel like bogey is somewhat the third option. I feel like, you know, if, if Trey and DeJounte need to get the ball to someone, they're going to give it to him. And so if you take him off, then it makes Jalen have to be that third person, which uh, was good for his development. So you talked about also his growth within the system. Can you just talk about Jalen for a minute and just what, what you've seen from, from last year to this year, uh, the confidence that, you know, we see the talent. He's one of those guys I say you look at, and you can tell he just has what I call juice to him. He just has juice, you know, and I think that's something the Hawks have been lacking is a player with juice outside of Trey when he's on. So can you just talk about your assessment of Jalen Johnson and where he is right now? Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it's, you know, if someone asks me, like, what's the ceiling? It's like, how do you even define a limit? Like, I mean, the easy scoring, the easy transition, the athleticism, the size and, and the speed, and the ball skill, I mean, it's just a very unique kind of combination of, I mean, maybe last year we called it a raw tool set. And that's not a fair way to talk about it anymore. It's becoming more and more refined, right? And and to me, it's like, you know, as I try to think about, okay, the Hawks are down, say, down to 10 seconds to go put five guys on the court and Bogey's not out there. And I'm trying to think, like, why is Bogey not out there? Like, Bogey's your best shot maker easily the best shot maker on the team and it has to be in my mind it has to be to give Jalen those opportunities mm-hmm. like Br- Bryce one thing I'm looking for is sometime this season are the Hawks going to run a play for Jalen as the primary option in that situation like is that coming right and I I would I'd be interested to see like how soon that might happen right but if Jalen is out there with Trey and Bogey, I mean, the defense, I mean, sorry, the other players are going to kind of lean on those guys as creators, shot makers, et cetera. And I think mm-hmm. Quinn is like, you know what, a year from now, two years from now, whatever, Jalen needs to be a, a 1A or 1B for every single possession that we have. And so we're going to kind of force, you know, use a force function around him kind of being in that role and saying like, Hey, you know, you, you're our guy that we're going to kind of run stuff through. Um, I mean, Trey is a, a wonderful offensive player. It can be hard for smaller guys to kind of get the shot that you want at the end of the game at times and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe Quinn's going to run a lot of kind of two man, different kind of two man action between yeah. Trey and Jalen and, and that depending upon how the defense reacts to whatever that might be uh, kind of, kind of go that route. So 
Um, I mean, defensively, he's still kind of learning screen navigation. Um, he's still kind of learning how to play at the point of attack, but he has such natural athleticism and length that even when he makes a mistake or he's a little slow on the technique, he can recover in ways that guys who don't have his kind of athletic kind of gifts uh, can't. So to, to me, like Jalen is the, uh, an overused term, the X factor on like where the Hawks should be a year from now, two years from now, is he mm-hmm. reach a all-star level where he's like a, an all-star year in, year out. I think he has the foundational skills to kind of maybe get to that level. But a lot of that comes with repetitions, him having the right aggressive mindset. He's, he, he kind of looks like more of a facilitator sometimes, like he wants to kind of be a passer. And there are times it's like, Jalen, the guy in front of you is like 6'4", just go put the ball right right in the, in the rim. And it takes some time for him to kind of kind of recalibrate that. But to me, it's like, what, I mean, apart from Trey, when's the last time we had a young player that was kind of this exciting to watch kind of forming into something? Is it, you know, do we go back to Josh Smith? You know, where, where do we go? How where we Where do we go to that? So it's, Despite all the frustration of how terrible things look and feel right now, I think he's a reason for Hawks fans to kind of stay optimistic and, and want to continue watching this game, this this team play right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been – I mean, people feel like he's the most improved player of the year candidacy. I mean, he's he's been great for this team. He's done a lot of good things. Um, you know, and I think people, like I said, people are trying to figure out what his ceiling is. Obviously, you'll hear comparisons to LeBron, or comparisons to Scottie Piffin. Uh, just different guys like like that because of how good people think he can be. And some people wonder at some point if he will be the best player on the team, even with Trey here at some point, yep. if he reaches his potential. So that's something that I think is going to be very uh, interesting to keep an eye on moving forward and trying to see what that ends up looking like. But now let's get into, you know, just the, the rumors around the team. Obviously, Trey rumors, huge. Big yep. person in that trade rumor, DeJounte Murray. Uh, it seems like Hawks have a lot of people who are interested in DeJounte. I've said that, you know, it's not easy for DeJounte because he came here basically becoming a two, even though he's been a one most of his career. Like, it's like a lot of these guys could probably play two if needed, but like, that's not their natural position. And, you know, I think people are kind of like, all right, well, what are we going to get back for him? What, like, what is that going to look like? If we move off him, what are we going to get for him? And then what is the plan at the two? Let's say I mean, if, if you get like the Lakers, the Austin Reeves, like, okay, you would assume he'd be your starting two. But let's say you don't. Let's say you, you don't, you get maybe other positions as picks. Where do the Hawks maybe go at that two spot? Um, I've said, do you do you put AJ in there? Do you give him a shot finally? Uh, is this Kobe? Is Because they said that he's kind of quote unquote untouchable, quote unquote. Uh, where where do you see the future of that spot next to Trey if they do indeed move off of DeJounte? Well, I mean, to me, the, the most obvious answer is Bogey, but you know, Quinn has wanted to use Bogey on the second unit to sustain some offense while Trey's off the floor. There are ways to kind of adjust your rotation around that. Is it AJ? Like right now, that doesn't seem like a, a likely thing that Quinn would go to because he hasn't been playing him, right? Mm-hmm. And so – um and i suspect that's because of the defensive kind of complexity of what they're trying to do out there and aj's just not quite ready to kind of perform on that end but you know if you look at the hawks record it's like okay are we nearing a point where we just got to play the young guys because you know we're so like you know behind in the standings that there's no reason to try to 
you know, completely salvage the season. I, I don't think that they're there yet, but it, you you wonder like do they how close do they feel they are to the point of like just prioritizing development for this year, right? Quinn's doing that with Scheme, and so for me, it's bogey. I mean, part of it does depend depend on who comes back. Is it Austin Reeves? Is it D'Angelo Russell? You know, and you know Russell will probably start. I mean, Russell's a professional player. He's not perfect for what the Hawks want to do and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you know, but then that now. Now there's rumors that the Nets are trying to get in, trying to get involved in um, other teams as well. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they can make happen. I know a lot of fans want to see a trade happen right now because the team is just just looks like almost not present in their own mm-hmm. games, right? It, it's 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 hard it's hard to watch. I think for everyone, right? And and they want to change, and it, it kind of feels like a change is needed to kind of get them back into a better headspace and and all that sort of stuff. But but for me, I think the hawk what the Hawks front office needs to do, <clears throat> ideally, is cultivate a market for Dejounte and get at least two or three teams feeling like they need to beat the offer of the other team, and that's how you kind of maximize that. I mean, some front offices would just be like this is so bad. We just got to make a change. Now our team's in such a bad mental you know, headspace and, and all that sort of stuff. But I think big picture, you want to maximize the return you get. And that might take a little bit more time. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's like I said, you said, since you said that it feels like they're in the bad headspace. Cause I've, I've, I've said, I've watched Hawks games the last few games. And I've, I felt like the energy has been different. It feels like they're kind of just playing. They're just kind of doing their job. It doesn't feel like there is a, a mission or a goal. I feel like when I watch them, um, especially in these last two games, and it's they're, not, they're not competing. I mean, in the way that like the, even like say the first 20, 25 games of the year or whatever, even when they would be down like 14, 16 points in the third quarter or whatever, they were still working the process, attacking the task, you know, just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Mm-hmm. And they got back and they've won a few games that way and stuff that, that good process and that good competitiveness and that, that, that just sticking to the task, that has disappeared in the last week, two weeks, or whatever. That that's gone, right? Mm-hmm. And that's to me, that's really bad. And and I don't know how fixable it is with like just just make a trade and go ahead and make it the changes to happen and all that sort of stuff. But but that's really bad habits form from t- periods like this that you don't want, right? And that's that's where my concern is 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 for the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just that's been tough. And, and I always said too, it's. It's been weird because, you know, they had the good win over Oklahoma City, even though fourth quarter issues, especially in the clutch. But they won that game. Same thing with the Sixers in overtime. You know, you you feel like those are games that you can build off of. You know, you always talk to hear coaches say, this is something we can build off of. And then, it, then the next game, they just come out flat. And you're just like, the last game didn't happen. And so it does make me worry about, like, okay, what what's happening? You know, because obviously here's the thing. We know agents, these players know what's going on. I feel like they know if they're in trade talk to their agents, like, hey, like, listen, like, you're in this talk, you know, this could, you could be moved. And I wonder just, you know, you're human, you're out on the floor. It's almost like, I said this in my last show, I was like, how would you feel if, like, your boss was like, yeah, you got, you're going to be fired in two weeks. Are you going to come into work now every day and put out 110%, you know, because you know you're about to leave? And I think maybe that is what could be happening right now with the team and why they've been going through this lag now hopefully against the Spurs they don't you know lag I mean you're on national television you know hopefully they they come out and play you know closer to the way they've been playing like earlier in the season but 
one that that transitions me into my next point because the thing people also forget with this team is this team, especially from a starting line of perspective, has not been healthy in like two months. Either Jalen or DeAndre's been out. It was Jalen, then as soon as Jalen gets back, it's been DeAndre. DeAndre, I know a lot of people are not the biggest fan of him. Um, I feel like he's he's I think he's a good player. I don't think he's special. I don't think he's he's anything that's like crazy. I think he's good. I mean, he's shooting career high from three. I mean, he's just shooting like what 40%. Um so I guess and he's in trade talks, but I I would like to see him back now because it feels like we haven't seen the starting lineup a lot together because of that. What are your impressions of of the Andre Hunter? And because if I think some people are like, man, it feels like we need him back right now. Yeah, yeah, they, well, they do, and it's kind of funny the the circumstances that make his presence more important, even though a lot of fans don't want to think of him that way and find him frustrating. And he does frustrating things pretty regularly, but he also does a lot of things that I feel like go unnoticed. Like he's an exceptional defensive organizer. And when Clinton and Yucker are up the floor, you need a three or four that can organize everyone else, right? John Collins, that was probably his best quality at functioning as a defensive organizer, being a weak side, organizer and helper and deandre is at that same level as an organizer and so like sadiq doesn't do that it's not bogey's role bogey's a guard right and so they're missing that i think Jalen is kind of growing into that but ideally you have someone who's just a little bit more experienced like jc Mm -hmm. and hunter um and so they miss that tremendously and you know i when they had neither hunter nor Jalen, like quinn did revert back to some drop you know, here and there, and and they played a little bit better. But I think as soon as I got one of those two guys back, he went straight back to getting the big up to the level of the screen. Uh, Hunter is critical to this team having some sort of defensive floor that that keeps them in games. Right? He's not gonna. He's not a stopper. He's not an All NBA defender in, in terms of the, the kind of defenders you think are in that category. I think his defensive value is really misunderstood by a lot of people that uh, may, you know, casually watch games or, mm-hmm. or or just listen to the national narratives or whatever. That, and that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with anyone watching the game that way. I'm not being critical at all. But a lot of his defensive value comes in the nuanced areas of the game, communication, organizing. He's an exceptional help defender. Um, and they miss that uh, for sure right now because Sneak is terrible at that stuff. Um, and you know, when both of those guys are down, are you playing Seth Lundy now? Like how, you know, I mean, he, they're, he's learned a lot at college park. I think that you know, they're running, they're getting great defensive results down in college park. So hopefully that's helped Garrison Matthews is, is under, is one more undersized defender. If he's the guy that's in the rotation, Patty Mills, you know, you know, kind of what's going on, what's going on here. Um, so, so to me, they miss Hunter tremendously. Um, in terms of like, just even if, if Hunter could make them like, I don't know, the 22nd ranked defense in the league instead of 28th, right. That's probably worth five wins on the season, you know? Um, and if you have Deandre and Jalen, both capable of playing 36, 37 minutes, maybe you can get to 19, you know, and win three more, you know, and that's a big difference, whether you're, you know, trying to get to 10 in the play in or trying to maybe have a chance to get to six or, you know, whatever. So I think Hunter is a very important player, but, you know, it does seem like he's just, 
he misses a lot of games. You know, and that's mm-hmm. not a character. I, I, it drives me crazy. Some Hawks fans talk about like that, like it's a character flaw. It's not. That's just his body. You know. And and the, some things you can't you can't control. You know, the fans don't know whether he's like putting all his effort into rehab and doing all the. Why why would we think he's not doing that? You know, he's a competitive guy. You know, so uh, yeah, Hunter's incredi- incredibly important in their current form. Um, even though there's a lot of rumors that suggest the Hawks are kind of looking to potentially kind of send him out in, in, in a trade that kind of brings back a different kind of mix of skills too. Yeah, definitely. I like I say, like I say, he's many. He's one of the three. Clint also is involved in those discussions. They're talking about potentially attaching him to potentially a Deion Dejounte deal if that ends up happening, which they say is close. But we'll see. Um, we'll be on trade watch. But you you brought up something about you know you, they're playing Garrison, they're playing Patty, and I and I this is one thing I've pointed out that I think has been hurting the team too, with the injury to either any of the top eight, is that the Hawks when they go nine deep. A lot of nights they're barely getting production from their seventh. I mean, not their seventh, but like their their eighth and ninth guy. And I and I feel like that has hurt the team because I've said it puts a lot of pressure on Trey Dejounte, Bogey, all of them to be good. And then Clint Capella is not a offensive guy. I mean, if he has a great night put back wise, then great. But like realistically, you only have what six guys, I guess, in your top eight with Hunter out who can get buckets and then Bay's three point shot is gone missing for some reason. So now it's like, it just feels like they're, they're, I feel like they'll get off of these hot starts. And then I always say the problem is, is that you're, we're expecting them just to stay hot the whole game. If they're going to maintain that because they have not shown the ability defensively to just rely on that, even though their shot start, maybe starts to not fall. It's like the Hawks always have to say, even out, they'll be hot and they'll go cold. Or if they're cold, they'll be hot and later. They always even out there. They just always even out in some capacity. And so I feel like that's hurt the team when you sometimes get three points and then zero. And it's like you only got three points from that. Because I said in the Pacers game from this past uh, Friday, I said the Pacers, when I looked at the first half, they had eight, nine, six, seven from guys on the bench. with, And that's just the bench, not even the starters. So they're getting multiple guys who can score the ball. And obviously they're one of the top offenses in the league for that reason. So – if they make trades, is it important for them to get guys back to just fill out that rotation that can be productive? Obviously, we know there's a reason why they're eighth or ninth on the bench, but they, at least can they do something of called upon? Or is that maybe more of just they need to play Lundy, they need to play Kobe, they need to play those guys, let them be the end of the bench, and then just let them develop from that whenever the minutes they get. Yeah, I mean, I think it would help them if they got just stable veterans that could kind of play in those rotation spots, 8, 9, 10, whatever, as needed. And and also, if they are good teammates, um, just good organizational guys in that, I think this at some point this season, Lundy's going to start playing pretty regularly, which means potentially bumping that veteran out of the rotation. Can that guy, can that guy handle that well? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, et cetera. So I think, I think just getting good organizational players that can function in the basic sense of what things that Quinn wants would be helpful. Um, you know, the top of the roster, the upper part of the roster is really kind of what matters the most, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I said before, like I appreciate how they approached this last draft because I mean, how, how many years have we watched them just like be 
not that serious like in the second round. I don't think Lundy's mm-hmm. going to be a good player. I think Gay is going to be a good player, and I think those guys like in a in a year or two or, or you know what what have you, he's going to be. They're going to be very reliable, productive players for this team, but that's going to take some time, right? And where they are with their depth reflects to a degree, at least one aspect is that they weren't taking their development kind of roster spots that seriously until, until maybe this past draft, this past off season. Um, So yeah, getting back good organizational guys, I think would be helpful. The key is what do you put next to Trey? And I think the conversation now is used kind of into that earlier. What do you put next to Trey and Jalen? What's that third kind of complimentary piece that makes the most sense. I think this organization would love to get Pascal Siakam. I think they've been pursuing him hard. I think all the reporting suggests that. I think he would fit amazingly. But, you know, it's to me, I think it's just too much risk because Pascal's like, I'm not committing to sign an extension. And then, you know, how much do you kind of kind of kind of give up for that? But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so I mean to, to be really good, you have to hit the, the, the top two, three spots in the roster just right. You have to hit the depth just right. You have to have the right buy-in. You have to have guys that are willing to play together, be coachable, and compete and kind of work through adversity and stuff. And and like I said, it's what's so frustrating is a lot of that was present the first 20, 25 games, and it's just kind of kind of disappeared. I mean, you mentioned that Philly game, right? No Embiid. Mm. And when Maxi fouled out, the Sixers really couldn't get anything on offense except through kind of Tobias, and and that's not really what you want Tobias doing. Jalen and Yeko were phenomenal in that overtime, mm. and that's like that felt like a glimpse into the future. Like this is what it's going to look like to kind of close games whenever we kind of get there, uh, and stuff like that. But I mean, the Hawks are in that in that phase. Like, who can we get to put in that kind of core three guys? And is that sending out salary in exchange for contracts that end sooner so that you maybe have some in a year some cap space to work with or some maneuverability to work with or some flexibility to work with that's the kind of the big kind of open open thing right now for me yeah for sure and i think that's something that you know front office has to figure out i know the front office is feeling some pressure from fans just you know and everybody and the wrestlers and just all of that uh from what, the way this team is built but I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you two more questions and I'll let you go, Glenn. First one is about Trey. You mentioned earlier about the buy-in. Trey in the last game mentioned, you know, buying into Quinn and we need guys who are going to listen. And so people were like, is that a, like a shot or is that like a signal that maybe he's saying not everybody is bought in? And speaking of Trey, what have you seen from him this season? It, it feels like, especially defensively, I think people have, if you watch the team, have seen some of the, the defensive plays he's made late in games and how impactful he can be sometimes on both ends. Yes, he has those games. Like the last few games haven't been great. And, you know, he has the injury and people are wondering how hurt is he and everything like that. But what have you seen from Trey Young this season? Do you feel like this is his best season he's had? Do you feel like this has he made a lot of growth this season more than maybe in other seasons? What What are you seeing from Trey Young this season? Yeah, I think this is his best season so far. And there's, we could talk about kind of the different aspects of where he's improved. I think one thing I would call out is just his leadership. I think he's been more vocal Mm. and I think he is speaking to um, kind of the messaging that really needs to come from the leader. You know, we we could kind of try to, to, you know, kind of break down the statement he made after the last game. And it's probably unfair to try to do that, Mm -hmm. but he's support. He's clearly supporting what Quinn is trying to get his team to do and saying, this is what we need to do. I believe in it. I believe in Quinn. 
etc. And and he also people want to say, oh, was he calling people? I mean, he also said this is going to take time, right? Which to me that that feels like it's a little supportive of his teammates, you know, in that sense as well. But it does also feel like there was a message in there that. Maybe there's one or two guys on the roster that he feels like is not buying in and not conforming to the kind of things um, I, we can only kind of speculate. I, I'll just say, like I said, it felt like that messaging might have been present in kind of the broader statement that he made there. So the leadership is there. The, the shot making has been better. He's, to me, it looks like he's clearly been working on the jump shot. You know, that's something you put a lot of effort into and that, that makes a big difference him him making shots is a really really big deal and creates one more dimension of their offense that's not there when he's um not hitting his pull-ups you know that's mm-hmm. from you know right on the three-point line or a good eight feet back which is you know or, or whatever it's common there and then the other part is just things he's doing off the ball like sc- screen you'll see him back screening you'll see him cross screening you'll see him uh, using pin downs to kind of get leverage on his defender and stuff. So he's just become a more versatile guy. When he was younger, I think that they just leaned really heavily on middle pick and roll because he's one of the greatest ever in the history of you know the league to to at that action. But as a guy who's what six foot tall and you're playing 82 games and then getting into the playoffs, you know, I mean, it's funny if, if you think about it defensively teams organize mainly around stopping pick and roll, right? Mm-hmm. If you talk about kind of, we're going to play this defense or what are you doing at the point of the ball screen? How's everyone else responding and stuff like that. And so everyone's kind of organized for that, which is why that Quinn wants to create more variety uh, in what's going on there. And so to me, like I said, you mentioned the defensive effort that's showing up all the time. And I, you'll hear fans on Twitter say, Oh, he picks the spots. Yeah. No kidding. Go look at his offensive usage. Do you want him to like be Tony Allen on defense every single like that's that? I mean, he has to pick his spots. If you go watch Damian Lillard play, he picks his spots. You know, so the people will be like, "Oh, Steph Curry." Like, okay, you know, Steph Curry is an outlier of outliers, right? And and it and it took Steph like six, seven years to kind of get to the point where he had developed into that kind of defensive performer. So to me, the defense is on a good trajectory do they when they hopefully become a serious team like a contender do they need more yes they'll need more right but he is on his way in that in that department i think so the bet the improved defense the investment on defense the investment in leadership the, the shot making and then just his ability to create shots for teammates is i mean he's one of the best five offensive players in the league in in my view mm-hmm. and you know, and it's, you know, don't make me blame the other four, you know, right off the top of my head because I'll yeah. make some people mad. But, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you probably see it too, Bryce. Like after bad losses, the Hawks need to trade Trey. And I told someone the other day, I said, you know what? Like you in the modern NBA, you win with offense. You have to have good enough defense. You get rid of Trey, it might take you literally 20 years to find another guy that has his kind of offensive capability. So be careful what you wish for. He, to me, like everything is built on Trey and he needs the right pieces around him. And I think the Hawks organization knows that they're not there yet, but he's, I'm completely satisfied with what he's doing this year. The last few games have been rough shooting wise. He's not physically right right now. I'm, I'm I, I don't know like everything that's going on physically, but he looks like a guy who's not physically right to me. Mm. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not so much worried about that apart from like, does he need to sit for a few days or skip a game or two to kind of, 
and I get that shoulder better and whatever else you might have going on. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something I'm like, so we kind of saw and, you know, Trey, like I said, has made a lot of growth this year. Um, I think you can tell if he's bought in, you know, this is more of Quinn, everything. I think that just kind of shows you, because I think before you can say maybe with other coaches, he wasn't, I guess, bought in completely with them, you know, but this guy, like Quinn is like a guy, he's like, yeah, I like, I believe in what he's trying to do, which is important when your best player is doing that. And I can set the tone for the entire team, but Speaking on Quinn, my last question to you, sir, is just what, how, how has Quinn Snyder done so far? I know he's had to deal with a lot of different things. I know a lot of people are with the struggles. You know, someone has to be blamed. And so some people are looking at Quinn like, oh, he's not doing the right rotations. He's not making the right decisions. He's not, why is he doing this with certain guys? Um, what, what has been your overall, um, I guess, report card on Quinn Snyder so far in his first full season? up to this point? I mean, Quinn is a very good coach, in my opinion. Um, and his track record kind of you know, speaks for itself and supports that. To me, I wish Quinn would sit down one time and do just an honest 10 minutes with the media on what he's prioritizing right now. I don't want to single Quinn out because almost no NBA coach will be that transparent with kind of mm-hmm. what their priorities are, you know, and such. But if he's focusing on where they want to be two years from now. And he just said that I think fans would have more understanding of kind of what the rationale is for the current decisions around rotation, who's playing, why isn't Anyaka starting yet, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. Right. And, and I think that because Quinn being like almost every NBA coach is uh, cautious with how much he conveys what his philosophy is, what his priorities are right now, and all that sort of stuff. I think fans have to kind of deal with this vacuum of information and fans have to kind of, you know, try to figure that out. So I think Quinn was a great hire. It exceeded my expectations. Um, I think that when they went from, you know, Lloyd Pierce to Nate, I mean, I, I, I thought that was risky from the very beginning just because I thought Nate's offensive philosophy doesn't, really work for what Trey needs to do. And that, and of course the offense regressed, you know, you know, for after their Eastern conference finals run and all that stuff. So I think Quinn is perfect for Trey. And I think, I think this is a great situation. I think where people struggle to be like, well, what about their record? And what about like how terrible they're playing right now? Is Quinn not accountable for that? Sure. The head coach is always accountable for the way the team's playing the results and all that sort of stuff. But if Quinn and his staff are looking 12 months down the timeline or 18 months or whatever that is, and would just say that, I think fans would have an ability to kind of connect more with that being what the priority is right now. And absent that being message being put out there, fans don't know how to respond. And I understand the frustration. I understand the angst. I understand why fans on Twitter say, I can't watch this team anymore. It's been a really rough watch the last few games, right? Um, And so, but I still think, to me, I think, Big picture, they don't have the roster construction they need. They got to work towards that. You can't force the timeline on that and in most cases, right? And I think big picture, they have the right plan. It's just going to take time for them to execute that plan. And uh, I, I wish they were more competitive than they've been a few of the games recently right now. Mm-hmm. But I think Quinn is prioritizing the big picture. And I think that that's the right thing to do because – I mean, honestly, right now, if you look at the record, like who cares if they win 44 instead of 39 games or or whatever range you want to put out there, 
what really, really matters is next year, can they put a team on the floor that might be able to win 50 games, right? They're not going to yeah. do that this year, obviously, right? And so the big picture is the priorities. It's, as best I can tell, I wish Quinn would would and could just kind of say that plainly one time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's just like I said, it's, it's part of the growth. It's part of development. You know, that's one thing they want to prioritize when they hired Quinn was development and, and accountability and everything. So, you know, it's, it's a work in progress and they'll continue to work towards that. So overall, you know, we'll have to see how that goes and we'll have to see what moves are made. And then we'll be able to reassess this team once that happens. But I appreciate the time you took out me on the show, Glenn. I appreciate yeah. you giving me your insight on the Hawks right now. Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, the podcast is ATL and 29. So Kevin Chenard and I put out a couple, two, three a week. Um, my work schedule has been kind of demanding. So really love having Tyler jumping back in. It's been fun, I think, to kind of have him back in the mix over there. And I greatly appreciate and enjoyed Tyler's contributions there. So, uh, yeah, and then on Twitter, at Willis underscore Glenn. Um, and, uh, you know, I do some technical breakdowns of how they're defending, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, all that sort of stuff. And just like engaging in conversation. I mean, uh, as I like to say all the time, none of my takes and opinions are precious. They're, they can, anyone can challenge them. I'm happy to talk with people who have different ideas and different views and all that sort of stuff, especially as long as we keep it kind of friendly and fun and respectful mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, if you want to you want to talk Hawks, come find me on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, and uh, and check out check out the pod. And uh, just uh, Bryce, like you're doing great work here. I, you know, hope everyone will support you uh, here as well. Uh, and I think you're uh, just always thoughtful with things that you're putting out on Twitter. You know, around what the Hawks are going on. So it's great great to have you as being kind of one more really. Mm-hmm thoughtful kind of voice in in the conversation so i want to you know pat you on the back for that and let you know that i appreciate you yeah i definitely appreciate that glenn man you too man great great work you've been putting out man for sure it feels like it feels like for a while it was like i would see you on social and it's like you know it's just like eh, i really want to talk to that guy i brought him on the show one day so i'm glad we were able to do this and then actually yeah. uh, uh have to have this happen man absolutely like, definitely appreciate you man but hey guys I wish you believe a Hawks podcast. It's your boy Bryce Lewis. See you next time. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.